don't know whether to call you composer, conductor, teacher, what? I think today I'm going to be composer. You're going to be composer? Yeah, because we're going to talk mostly about uh, my, my creative work, which is mm -hmm. great. I'm happy that you're going to talk to me about that because uh, it's, uh, it's something that gives me really great joy right now. And I'm really happy that a number of groups are embracing my choral music and mm -hmm. singing it and recording it and making videos. So. And we're going to talk about one of, the, one of those videos right off the top. Queen of the Seasons, yes? Now the Queen of now Seasons. Now the Queen of Seasons. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. it's a, a very recent piece that I wrote uh, that Pax Christie has just recorded and we are, are making a video which mm -hmm. is going to be out really soon just to uh, welcome the season of spring, mm -hmm. which hopefully is right around the corner. So you planned this winter specially in order to make <laughs> to make the, the arrival of spring even more poignant. I yes, so. all nature conspires mm -hmm. to make this the uh, the the uh, great success. We hope it will be. So yeah. the the text of the the text of the the piece is some stanzas from uh, a hymn. Yes? Yeah, it's a hymn that is very, very old. Uh, the original author was John of Damascus, so it's mm -hmm. from the seventh century. But we're working with a translation from a 19th century clergyman. Okay. Um, so it's, it's sort of has a Victorian overtone to it in rhymed, metered verse. Mm -hmm. But it speaks about uh, springtime and rebirth, and it's really happy. And I figured, David, I've, I've written sad music for long enough, so <laughs> I wanted to pull out the stops and, and write something really uh, optimistic and uh, positive. So the color here is different than a lot of my choral music. This mm -hmm. is for brass ensemble, right. brass quintet. And we were fortunate enough to have True North Brass collaborate with us on this project, and mm -hmm. they are an amazing brass group. Um, also, organ, big right. pipe organ is uh, in the mix here too. So Simon Walker's our organist, and uh, Ed Rifle plays the timps. And then of course we have our, our big uh, 100 voice choir singing all of that wonderful optimistic text. Hello, I'm here talking to Stephanie Martin, and we're talking about a video of a composition, of a recent composition, Queen, now the Queen of Seasons, um, which you wrote for Pax Christi Chorale? I, I wrote did it. Did you know for sure that that would be? Or no, I wrote it a few years back. I okay. wrote it about four years ago, specifically for the choir of St. Mary Magdalene okay. for Easter Day. So it had its first liturgical performance there it, on, on Easter Day. So the upcoming performance in the, uh, at the end of April with Pax Christi, that will be the concert premiere of this piece. Okay, but the piece itself has been, has been worked yeah. through? Yeah, we tried it out at the church first and it was sort of written with the geography of the church in mind. So. The choir is up in a rear gallery, uh, and the organ console is up there, although the pipes are at the other end of the church, and mm -hmm. the brass group was on the floor, so it took uh, two conductors to make it happen. And that's uh, sort of the nature of the piece, that is that it's antiphonal. Mm -hmm. The choir responds to the brass, responds to the organ, so you, you uh, sort of have a conversation going on between the three different groups. 
And was that with an adult and a youth choir as well, that version of it? Because in, this in, one is, right? In, yeah, in Pax Christi, we, uh, we, uh, we try to collaborate with uh, uh, youth choirs. Uh, and our guests on this performance are the uh, Father John Redmond School high mm -hmm. school choirs. So we have uh, some of those singers on our video as well. So that, uh, that gives a, a, a kind of freshness to the sound too, which is really nice to see. Um, when the camera pans across the group, I think you'll see that the, the choir is very diverse. People of all kinds of different backgrounds and all different ages, just um, all serving it up. Uh, a lot of young composers struggle with uh, just getting a piece off the ground. And in my experience, it's always the best thing is to have uh, the performers in mind when you're writing. If you know who you're writing for, uh, things become crystal clear. So if you have a reason to write and people to write for, it, it makes the path a lot clearer. And in this case, yeah, I had a specific group and that, that piece serves a specific function in uh, one place and one time. So right. it, makes it makes the creative process a lot less painful if you can imagine who's going to be singing it in the end. Mm -hmm. So your own harmonic language, do you feel it also has a, a duality to it in, in the way you, you just described? Yeah, um, I think uh, what we just talked about, ta uh, writing something for a specific group, I think that also guides your harmonic language because uh, writing, uh, writing for uh, church choirs is, uh, it has a different sort of requirement. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's kind of like choosing what you're gonna cook for dinner, right? You know, if, uh, if your buddies are gonna come over, you, you can serve up uh, beans and wieners, right? That's mm -hmm. the perfect thing. You know, if the queen is coming for dinner, you're gonna cook something really special. Mm -hmm. uh, but you, you can't sustain that. You can't cook for the queen every night, right? So. Right. Uh, a lot of what I write, I guess, is beans and wieners. So this is not a lot <laughs> nice way to describe it, but, but it's something you can, you can, you can eat that mm -hmm. frequently and be happy. Mm -hmm. And uh, the nice thing um, about the music that I have been writing is that it does get performed. Mm -hmm. um, but I will have some opportunities to write things that are a bit more edgy in, in a, a project that's coming up for New Muse in, in Waterloo, Kitchener-Waterloo. Mm -hmm and Wilfrid Laurier University. I'm, I'm gonna write them some edgier music with more contorted harmonic language because I know that uh, they can handle that. And so I think composing for the, the forces that are performing it and the purpose of the, the composition, it's, it's important to keep in mind. And audience comes into that as well? Oh yeah, audience, yeah. <laughs> I think it was Benjamin Britten that talked about the triangle of the performer the audience, the uh, composer, and that, that has to have um, balance. Yeah. Yeah. And some audiences would, would, would be uh, not satisfied to eat beans and wieners every night. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you have to offer up appropriate uh, food for, for, the, for your audience. And what's the future for, for a video like this? Where does it fit into an overall sense of what it's for? I mean, it's not just to have a pretty adjunct to... No, 
to the piece? I think really this goes back to uh, my students who are always teaching me so much. And that I find that they, um, they use the resources at hand and mm -hmm. um, everyone now has this amazing portal to all of the information of the universe, right? You've got your, you've got your computer. And you know, if we're studying a, a piece of Bach organ music, my students will report to me, oh yeah, I saw uh, Tom Coatman performing this and he does this. He, you know, he uses his toes here or his feet here. Uh, really the first stop for pedagogy now is not necessarily the one-on-one the -on -one teacher, but the student exploring what is out there on YouTube, everyone who has offered up their performances so that we can all see them and learn from them. And it's, it's an amazing way to learn. We, we could never do that when I was a student, right? We, mm -hmm. we had to imagine what that looked like. And so much of playing an instrument is, is physical. When you see someone mm -hmm. playing the cello and uh, solving problems in a certain way, it's, uh, it's so much faster than uh, someone trying to describe the fingering or Mm -hmm. trying to deduce it from a recording or someone else's score. You can just see someone doing it. So I, I think the video is just such a, a powerful medium that um, we thought it was good to take this step and get out there. But on the other hand, you could probably read a piece of music and hear it off the page. Does this other thing is that a danger in terms of is it a danger people that people, go people will let go of traditional skills yeah. because they have technology at hand? Yeah. Also an interesting question and uh, uh, pertinent to a discussion I had working with students today too. In uh, This is at York. Right? At York yeah. University. I, I was working with a group of four students who have very cleverly put together their own ensemble mm -hmm. so they can compose work on the pieces and perform them. Mm -hmm. It's a fantastic idea. But uh, one student was uh, bothered because she, she had written a chord in a certain way and it was spelled quite illogically. And she, she said the reason for this was that her notation program on the computer couldn't actually accommodate what she really wanted to say. It wouldn't allow her to write it in this way. Mm -hmm. And I suggested maybe a pencil and manuscript paper would be fine. And they all said, of course, you know, we, we think that's a great way to write. So uh, the, st the students are embracing technology and learning from it because the notation program teaches you a lot. Mm -hmm. But sometimes uh, just pencil and manuscript paper is is faster and, and I would hate for, for us to, to lose those traditional mm -hmm. skills. We shouldn't worry about technology, we should use it and learn from it, uh, but, but uh, I think in, a, in our next generation we're going to learn a lot about technology and develop an etiquette around it so that we don't lose important things. So in terms of your own compositional practices, you you talk about carrying a, a notebook and yeah. manuscript. And, and with a piece like this, you hear it and you, you hear something and you write it down? What happens? With choral music, I always start with the text. Uh -huh. And I read the poetry and I write poetry down. Mm -hmm. And somehow the words always suggest 
music, mm -hmm. the words themselves, because there's a, a contour and a um, stress to the to the words that just seem to suggest a melody. So, mm -hmm. so uh, I usually start there, and then I go to my piano and improvise a bit. I write in my my notebook, mm -hmm. and and then I go to the notation program as as soon as possible. And I advise my students to do that too, just get on to the notation program as soon as you can. Um, because then you can also work with the material. It would be like uh, if you were composing a, a letter on your computer. If you, uh, now we've learned a new way to compose a letter or an essay. Right. The computer's become a tool so we can cut and paste and move paragraphs around. It's the same way with technology. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's so much easier to deal with your ideas. But the initial ideas, mm -hmm. the initial musical ideas, uh, can come at any time, so you have to be armed. Mm -hmm. If you hear it, um, hopefully your musical skills are strong enough that you can write down those intervals and that melody that you hear. It's interesting that you talk about the, the text having its own cadences and its pitches and everything else built into, I mean, the relationship, I mean, ultimately maybe that's where music begins, is in how the voice goes up and down and when and why. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that just the other day, how uh, um, singing is, uh, it's so elemental to all human beings because mm -hmm. When we're communicating now, you know, I'm using, I'm using tone and rhythm to make ideas sensible to you, and we can share ideas. If we couldn't do that, we'd be, we'd be lost. Yeah, and I mean, it also bring, it it also implies a bit of a continuum between. We were talking a while ago about uh, harmonic languages, and and the the pitch cadences of spoken language are as tonal or microtonal as you choose them to be. And the impulse towards the, the emotion and the sense behind them doesn't have to be driven by, by the intervals that one chooses. So I guess it comes back to what you were saying about um, you choose your audience and you choose how you're going to speak to them. Right. And Therefore, and you don't have to log yourself into a, a harmonic dogma if you're open to context. Right. If communication is your key in mm -hmm. music, you want to speak the same language. You want to communicate mm -hmm. something. But you don't always want to use uh, a language or words that will simply lull your audience to sleep. You might want to yeah. challenge them with something that makes them sit up and listen in a new way or think about something in a different way. So. So, yeah, I mean, we choose our words carefully to communicate what we want to, mm -hmm. what we want to say. Mm 